So if uh, you have your Bibles, we're kind of starting a new series here that we're going to take just three, four, well, four weeks of Advent to focus in on you and me being ready, getting ready for Christmas and what that looks like in our lives. And it looks a lot of different ways, I know, because, you know, being ready for Christmas looks different uh, for guys than it does for girls. Like right now, I'm ready for Christmas, you know. I don't have to do anything. Uh, I have to get... Uh, Nikki a present, and uh, we already bought, we know what the presents are. I got her a new back door, and it's already installed. <laughs> Merry Christmas, honey. For the women in the room, the getting ready for the Christmas, it's incredible, because there are, there are presents to buy for seemingly endless amounts of people. I thought you only had to buy a present for one person, but Nikki tells me there's like 47 people on the list and that's just the beginning of it, because there's, there's trees and lights, and, and there's meaning and chalkboard messages that we write on the wall. There is uh, getting ready in so many ways. It's unbelievable. And then there's getting your kids ready and making sure they have gifts for each other. And me, I guess that's the one thing I do have to do still, and that's making sure that my sons, you know, are ready to roll with mom's presence by the day before. But again, that shouldn't be a big problem at this point in my life. So getting ready, though, it, it's, it's really half the fun. There's, there's this beauty in the anticipation of the day. And that's really what the series is designed to be, is, is helping you and me as we anticipate the moment of celebrating Christ coming into this world. And so today we want to start in Luke chapter 1, and we want to learn together uh, what we can learn from this fellow, Zechariah, and his wife, Elizabeth, and more importantly than them as people, what was God doing in them as people uh, in this moment? And so if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 5, and we'll read down to verse 25, and then we'll pray together. God's Word says this, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving the priests before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go to, into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense, of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and, and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, 
And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, uh, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when the time of the service was completed, he returned home. After after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among his people. Let's pray. Father, we even now anticipate Christmas. We're getting ready. Beauty of the decorations in this room, lights and trees and wreaths. A reminder. Things this month aren't like they are the rest of the year. And we consider Emmanuel, God with us. And we consider this reality that God with us was not a plan B. It was not a secondary thought. But you have made a promise from the very beginning. And the reality of Christmas is the fulfillment of that promise. And Lord, even in the midst of the the manger scene, we look forward to the one who would prepare a way for the people to come to Jesus, who would call them to repentance and and to change the way they think about their life because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And more importantly, even than that, we look to the cross and the empty tomb where we don't, as your people today, we no longer wait for a promise to be kept, but we live in the delight and joy of knowing the promise has been kept and we have hope. So help us today... um, Honor that hope and honor your son. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we take a look, these first uh, three verses here really kind of focus our attention on anticipating what God is doing. And that's the, the kind of the first point. And I'm not really good at saying it with the, first, with the point thing, so I'll refer to that once in a while. Okay, that's what we're going to do right there. We're anticipating God's faithfulness. Part of the Christmas season is about anticipation and getting ready. And the first couple words of this passage, we see that there's a political anticipation. You see that? I mean, uh, again, Luke chapter 1, verse 5, in the time of Herod, king of Judea. And right off the bat, we're asking ourselves, why would Luke tell us that it was the time of, of Herod, this king in Judea? Herod was a bad dude. He was not Jewish. He was given power over the the, the 
the land of Judea, and really the, the concept there, he was king over the land of Judea, is this concept, he was the king of the Jews. In fact, a couple of uh, chapters later, a couple of verses later, we're going to hear Gary talk about this, that when the wise men came and they said, we're looking for the king of the Jews, Herod's ears peaked and he said, huh? I'm the king of the Jews. Who are you looking for? Look for me. I'm right here. And so he got so upset, he was kind of out of his mind in such a way that he started, he put children to death because he didn't know who was supposed to be this king of the Jews that the wise men came to visit. He, he was out of his mind, this man, Herod. Yet there were good things that he did. 20 years prior to us picking up this story, we know that Herod had built the temple that Zechariah is standing in in this story. Herod built it so that he could make a statement to the people around him that, hey, listen, I, I value your religion. And so let me do something for you. And so this temple that they were standing in and hearing from God in uh, was really a, a work of Herod. In fact, it was called, ironically, Herod's Temple. And guys, when we come into this world, we see news and we have sources for news and we see things going on around us all the time. And the politics of our day would demand that we, we label these days some way. These are the days of Obama. These are the, the days of Putin. These are the days of, and you can fill in the, the blank with regard to how you want to view these days. But however we characterize these days, listen, God is at work fulfilling his promise. No earthly king can stop that. No Herod can make it be that God is not at work doing a great thing. No earthly king of the Jews can stop the reality that God was bringing into being in these days the real king of the Jews that all of history has waited for. And so whatever your politics are, or however you think about the political world, or if you were a historian taking a pen to write about these days, keep your eyes Keep some of your eyes, keep some of it. How many eyes do you have? Keep your eyes fixed on the scriptures, even when your internet screen is telling you about bad news around this world. Because God's at work fulfilling his promises. So there's political anticipation. And, and as we look around the world today, we are not made afraid by the reality that there are evil people in power. We are made aware that, that God is at work even to this day, keeping his promises. And we'll look at that as we continue to go forward. God is ever at work keeping his promises. And as you read the news, do it with an open Bible and do it with faith in God that he is at work. But secondly, there's this personal anticipation. We've got this political anticipation, and we also have some personal anticipation. And that is answering this question, how can I, how can you be ready for this Christmas season? And, and while it doesn't involve wreaths and lights and trees and shopping and, and fruitcake. I don't know why fruitcake, but it involves fruitcake. But there's something much more to it than that as well. Look at verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of 
Aaron. And so the first thing I want you and me to see is that if we're going to be ready for Christmas, we, we need to embrace our identity. Uh, uh, Zechariah's name means this, Jehovah has remembered. Now, he's an old man at this point. And can I tell you the story of Zechariah? An old man about to move off the face of the earth, his days about to be done, that he has heard for two and three, well, 2,000 years that God was going to provide a Messiah since Moses started writing and communicating, and we have the, the Bible. And, and as you look through the Old Testament, this priest knew the Old Testament and knew that there had been a promise thousands of years ago that God had not kept. Promise made to Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.15. A promise made to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15. A promise made to all the patriarchs. There will be one who takes away the sin of the world. The Old Testament law, the Old Testament system covered up the sin. But there's going to be one who pays for the sin and removes it as far as the east is from the west. And Zechariah knew we were still waiting. On top of that, he also comes at the end of a 400-year period where there had been almost no statements from heaven whatsoever. From the close of Malachi to the open of Matthew, there had been no word from heaven, no prophets, no kings. The king that they had on the throne in Jerusalem, actually in Jericho, the the king that they had there, hardly a king, and certainly not Jewish, reigning in his own ways for his own purposes, doing his own thing. And here we have Zechariah, this old man, faithfully day after day, going to serve. And on top of that, Not only did he have thousands of years since a promise and 400 years of complete silence, he also had a lifetime of unmet expectations. Would it it be a problem for you to give me one child? One kid? But he was old. And his wife was old. And it seemed like the sunset had come and gone and they were living out the, the, the darkness of the last days of their life. And what's your name again? Jehovah has remembered. And so here, Zechariah embraces his identity, and what does he do? Faithfully, day after day, he does the work of the priest that he's called to be. He lives in his identity. He was of the tribe of Aaron. He, he was a, a priest, and his wife was of the tribe of, of Aaron. Now, it wasn't a law that priests had to marry the daughters of priests, which is what Elizabeth was, but there was delight and joy in it, I'm sure. When you're on the same page with your wife, when you have the same understanding, when you have the same background, when, when you grow up in the scriptures and commands and promises together, and that's really what... Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were all about. Elizabeth's name means God is an oath or the absolutely reliable one. In in a few verses, 
she's going to say, my life has been characterized by God placing on me a public reproach that is not giving me the blessing of having children. An old woman with no children, and in that society, as much as it is in our society today, as her heart longed for that, and she lived without that. And yet her name was Jehovah is the reliable one, the absolutely reliable one. And they lived out their days in identity. Look, I don't know if there were bitter moments. I think there was weeping. I don't know if she had fits of anger sometimes, especially when she was a younger woman. I don't know Elizabeth's personality. But here's what I know, that in the midst of disappointment, she lived out her identity faithfully. And and Zechariah lived out their identity in Christ faithfully. And and what is that identity? Let's continue on, verse 6. So we're seeing that in this personal anticipation, here's what I'm saying to you. If you want to be ready for Christmas, then you need to answer the question, before God, who am I? And am I being faithful to that identity in Christ Jesus? And do I belong to him? And, And am I showing the world around me I belong to him by faithfulness, even though there may be... Uh, disappointments and difficulties in my life. Verse 6, again, we continue on. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. And so here's the second means of preparation and anticipation of Christmas. Are you righteous before the Lord? Do you observe the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly? It is so easy for us to take matters into our own hands when we're disappointed with God. Or we think, God has forgotten me, so I will forget him. And we're going back to identity now. Remember, Zechariah's name means Jehovah has remembered And so he's living out that though my eyes have not seen the coming to to fruition of Genesis 3, I haven't seen that promise kept. I haven't seen the promise of Messiah kept. There's been 400 years of silence. I'm an old man about to die, and I have desires of my heart that have been unmet my whole life, yet my name is Jehovah has remembered, and I am going to live out my days righteously before him. Listen, don't let your frustration and disappointment with God be an excuse for you to walk away from him in the way you live your life. Don't let it be an excuse to have a little private area of your life that you think God must be okay with because in your big public area of life where you're disappointed with him, he hasn't met your responsibility or he hasn't met your expectation. And so you feel like you are justified in this little area of your life that you're keeping for you. And Zechariah would say, my eyes haven't seen it perfectly, but the Lord has remembered. Zechariah would say, it's been a difficult road in 400 years of silence, but God is faithful. Zechariah would say, my wife has come to me monthly throughout our entire life. 
and reminded me of unmet expectations and dreams and hopes. But we serve the absolutely reliable one together. And they walked uprightly and blamelessly before the Lord. Listen, Zechariah and Elizabeth cannot earn the favor of God. We've been talking all about that in our study of the gospel. That's not what this is about. This is about external obedience that comes from an internal love of Jesus. This is about external obedience that flows out of love for God and who he is. And that's what Elizabeth and Zechariah was all about. So if you're ready for Christmas, your identity is certain, and you're obeying the Lord, and you're not using some disappointment that you've experienced as, some, as a reason why you're, you're beginning to walk away from him. But lastly, in the way you deal with this disappointment before the Lord, you're, you're righteous. Look at, look at again now, verse uh, 8, excuse me, 7. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. How you deal with disappointment. Remember last week, this all ties in so well with where we've been. Last week we talked about, you know, what if, if God gives you an answer to your prayer and it's weight? For Elizabeth, the answer to her prayer, Lord, give me a child. The answer was weight. Some women are not that blessed. Some men are not that blessed. Sometimes the answer is no. And we cannot take from this story, because God gave Elizabeth a a child late in her life, God will give all barren women children late in their life. That's not what this is saying. And if you're here today and your arms are empty, can I say to you, I I don't know what God is doing in your life. I don't know why. I don't know why the the pain of that monthly disappointment or that lifetime disappointment has been uh, put on you. I don't know why it, it appears to you that the whole world is blessed in ways and even people outside of the covenant, even people outside of the, the people of God, uh, they seem to uh, have children at will and sometimes even against their will. And you're left scratching your head and asking, Lord, why? What is going on here? How do you deal with that disappointment? It doesn't mean it doesn't break your heart. It doesn't mean you don't weep. It doesn't mean you look on the bright side. It means you take that pain to the Lord with you this Christmas season, with your arms open and your hands open, and lay before him and and weep again. And ask him to minister to you at the depths of your heart. The disappointments that God places in our life are used as means to draw us to him, not push us away. And I think that's the distinction we have to make here, is that Elizabeth, in her disappointment, prayed and brought her heart to the Lord and continued to be faithful and continued to support what was going on in her family's life and continued to ask God to do great things. And if you're here today disappointed and weeping when no one's looking, I say to you, that's a great place to be if you're bringing that disappointment and those tears to the foot of the cross and clinging to him. That's what it's designed for. 
So are you ready for Christmas? We're ready as we deal with those disappointments before the Lord, give them to him, and then in our identity in Christ Jesus, we embrace who we are and faithfully serve, and, and we, uh, we don't use disappointments as a means to walk a step away from the Lord, but we allow those disappointments to drive us to the Lord. And if those things are happening in your life, then my friend, you're anticipating, and you're getting ready for an incredible Christmas season. Number two, not only anticipation, but participation. Do you know that you're called to participate in Christmas? These next verses talk all about how you and I can participate in the Christmas story, the miracle of this participation. And again, we're going to look at a specific story that's all about Zechariah, and then we're going to say, well, how does that impact you and me today? Verse 8. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. So let me tell you what's going on here, okay? Um, There are 24 divisions of priests. They would serve on a week and then off 23 weeks and then on a week, all right? So they served two full weeks as priests in the temple and then they lived all around Jerusalem, um, you know, throughout the year. Four times a year, there were big celebrations when all the priests would serve. It's kind of like Black Friday, you know? They bring everybody in. I thought that that whole Walmart scene with the saran wrap and 8 o'clock and police and women sitting there with their, you know, arms on the pallet and the guys playing cards in the aisle waiting, I thought that was somewhere else. It's here. It's here. Just so you know. So, but the other thing we saw is every, I don't know why. If you work at Walmart, I love you. Okay, but let me just say this. For whatever reason, Fridays between 5 and 7 o'clock, there's only like two people working at Walmart. I don't know why that is. But they have like a 1,000 people that work there, and they were all working on Black Friday. At the end of every aisle, there's a dude in a Walmart, you know, some kind of vest. They're there. And that's kind of how it was with the priest. Sorry, that was a long way to go to tell you. That all the priests were on duty for four, four weeks a year, okay? Okay, so Zechariah serves one full week twice a year, and then he serves when the, on those special occasions as well, all right? So here he is serving, and once in a priest's life, he would draw the straw. And when you drew the straw, you got the privilege of going and burning the incense. And that's the story we have here. This is the one time in Zechariah's life, when he's going to have the privilege of going into the holy place, and there's fire and coals, and there's incense, and you put the incense on the coals, and it's quiet, and you have just your helper with you, and outside the temple of God, Herod's temple, there's all these people praying for the forgiveness of sins while you put the incense quietly on the coals, and the Smell goes up to heaven with the prayers, and it's this sacred moment. It happened twice a day, at 9 o'clock and at 3 o'clock. And this was Zechariah's lifetime moment when he got to serve in this way. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And you have this picture, don't you, of the prayers going up for forgiveness and Zechariah going and 
burning the incense. Let me just tell you the end of the story, too, that typically priests, they kept it going, right? They were in there, and two things, they had all these people out there praying and waiting to hear the blessing of Abraham on them. So that's what was going to happen. Not only did you get to burn the incense, but as the priest, you got to go out and deliver the blessing as well. This was a big deal. And so you made it quick because if you stayed in there a long time, the thought was the longer you stay in there, the longer there might be sin in your heart and you might be struck dead right there in the presence of God. And so let's keep this quick. You know, you would have liked him as your pastor. And so he come, normally they would come out rather quickly and he would deliver the blessing and the people would say, okay, good. You know, he's burned, burned the incense. The Lord has heard our prayer. Our sins are covered over again. For another year, or for another, uh, for another time, all right? So when Zechariah's division was on duty, uh, excuse me, now we go down to verse 11, then an angel, here he is in the temple, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Now, what prayer? He's been praying his whole life for a son. But he'd been praying in that moment for the forgiveness of sins. The angel doesn't tell us what prayer is answered, but my friends, I think they're both about to be answered. As he's been praying that the Lord would bless him with a child, and he's also been praying for forgiveness of sins. And listen, isn't this the model? Isn't this the pattern? Can't we go back and see that this is exactly what happened in other places where an angel of the Lord, Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, an angel of the Lord appears to Abram and says, you will be a great blessing and you will, you're going to have a child. And for years, he had that promise and he would tell Sarah, we're going to have a baby. And Sarah's like, okay, guy, listen. I'm 90 years old. I'm not having a baby. And so I tell you what, why don't you take my handmaiden and maybe I can have heirs. And listen, beware when your disappointment moves you to start fulfilling the promises of God in your own strength with your own plan, beware. You're about to make a big mistake. And that's what Sarah did. Elizabeth didn't do that. Right? And, and Zechariah didn't do that. But Zechariah, as a teacher of the law, sees this is the pattern of God. An angel shows up and announces to some old dude that there's going to be a baby when there like, is no physical way there should be a baby. There's no, it's, it's impossible. Those days are over. But God sends an angel to announce that he is he's doing his covenant, he's keeping his covenant, and all through the Old Testament, this is the pattern. God keeps his promises. And he keeps his promises when there's no human way. We're going to see in a couple of weeks that, that the story of Mary having a baby is even more miraculous. It's more miraculous for a virgin who's never known a man to conceive than it is for an old couple. Though, they're, pretty bo- they're both pretty miraculous, aren't they? Incredible. And, and Zechariah is seeing that this angel has appeared to announce to him that God's work is about to begin again in this world. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And uh, 
uh, excuse me, uh, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will bring back, uh, many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And so uh, Zechariah is hearing that God is continuing his story of faithfulness, of keeping the covenant. He's about to earn his name, if you will. And again, his name, Zechariah, Jehovah has remembered. He's about to see that Jehovah has remembered him in his, his prayer, his time of prayer. He's remembered to keep his promises. And he's moving through the Old Testament is Zechariah, I'm sure, as he's hearing about this baby that's going to be a joy to, to all these people. Okay? And so he's beginning to say, okay, God said there is going to be one before, before the promised one, there's going to be one who prepares the way for the promised one. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, there's going to be one who comes before, who prepares the way. And Zechariah is beginning to go, this is going to be me? This is going to be Elizabeth? This is going to be our son? He's the one who's going to prepare the way? He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Remember Elijah, the one who stood up and, and He challenged the prophets and he won the day and said to a group, to a whole huge gathered bunch of people, uh, the power of the living God is real and the power of Baal is nothing. It's It's a drop in the bucket. It's absolutely nothing. And that's the spirit and power. Now remember, John is asked later in his life, are you Elijah? And he says, I'm not Elijah. And he wasn't Elijah, but he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah, meaning he was a prophet that came to turn the hearts back to the living God and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So let me ask you this. How can you participate in Christmas like that? We've already talked about anticipation. And so we've talked about you and your identity and your obedience and in the midst of your disappointment, you consistently serve the Lord. But now I'm asking, what about you in your role this, part, this Christmas season? What are you supposed to be up to? Aren't you glad that God hasn't left that mysterious for you and me? Like, how do I properly get ready for Christmas? Well, Zechariah, even after 400 years, had his eyes fixed on the Scripture. And he said, what is God doing in this world? He has called me to serve him in the temple. And what is God up to? And he's doing the same thing in your life. How are you gifted to accomplish the the marching orders that God has in place to this day for you and me? That is, to announce to people of every tribe and tongue and nation, to disciple them and teach them the commandments of the Lord, and to leave up to the Lord who comes into the kingdom and who does not, but you are using your life to announce, listen, God has kept his covenant. 
God continues to keep his covenant. He is busy at work making much of his name. And this Christmas season, he's called you to participate in Christmas. That does not necessarily mean you, if you are a barren woman, are going to have a child this time next year. But what it does mean is you are very clear with regard to what you're about. You're bringing peace where other people bring contention. You bring peace into your family settings. Not an argument, not a one argument. Not an argument that you set out to win. Peace that comes from the deepest part of your soul and flows out because you know you serve the God who keeps his covenants. Peace. Love for the people around you. A, a, the name of Jesus quickly on your tongue whenever the opportunity comes up. And sometimes, in faith, you make the opportunity. That's what Christmas is about for you and for me. Always ready to extend the kingdom of God because we serve a God who keeps his promises and we serve the absolutely reliable one. That's what you and I are called to do this Christmas season. We are f- not forerunners. We are after runners. We are, we are not here to call out as John the Baptist did. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Get ready. Look at him. He's Jesus. I'm not worthy, he would say, to untie the sandals that he's wearing. I must decrease. He must increase, he said of Jesus. He says in John chapter 1 when there's a group of people and he's been telling about who this Jesus is and he sees Jesus and he finally has the moment where he can point at them and say, guys, see him? Behold, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you have little kids, that's your role this this Christmas season. Be an after runner. The one who runs after the one who faithfully announces it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done. So many times in this world, guys, we are waiting. People are waiting for God to do some new thing. And there are moments when God's going to do a new thing. I don't doubt that. But the lion's share of your life and my life is believing and trusting in the thing that God has already done. And that's what this Christmas season is all about. See, I'm waiting on him to do a new thing. I'm, I'm living in the midst of disappointment. So were Zechariah and Elizabeth. And in the midst of that, they kept their eyes on what God had already done. And while they were focusing on what God had already done, God did a new thing. What a privilege it is for you and me to be a part of this Christmas story and to see that John the Baptist fits in to that story in such profound ways. It's really, really cool. So we see that we've got this um, anticipation, and we see that we have this participation in the whole Christmas story, and we continue on in verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? He's basically saying, listen, yeah, I'm a priest, and I hear you saying this, and I kind of get, I get that you're an angel here, okay, but I'm going to need a sign. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel. 
Now, this is the second time, and we see Gabriel come again. He's going to come to Mary in a couple of verses. We saw him also in Daniel chapters 6 and 7. But Gabriel's been around, and he says, listen, I, I stand in the presence of God. I, I, I'm an angel that brings messages to people, and I brought you this message. In essence, he's saying, um, Zechariah, I'm your sign. You, you should have just believed, because here I am. The sign from God, a guy shows up in the Holy of Holies and do, or in the holy place, doesn't die and brings you a message that you're going to have a baby. And Zechariah says, I'm going to need a sign. Well, here's a sign. You know that, that privilege that you've lived for your whole life of announcing the blessing when you come out of this time of prayer to tell all of the people? That privilege, that's going to be taken away. You're going to be quiet. You're not going to be able to speak. Something... Some think he couldn't hear either. Um, We don't know. But he certainly couldn't speak, it says here. And so he comes out, and rather than being able to announce, you know, the blessing, he's up there doing some kind of family charades, like you guys played on Thursday at your family gathering. And the people are going, what's... They were waiting outside. They'd been praying. And, you know, have you ever been at the end of a long, awkward prayer, or long prayer, and it becomes awkward, and you start wondering, okay, now, we've been praying for as long as we normally pray, and the dude didn't come out yet. And uh, this is awkward. And so they're all doing, I, I bet they're all doing this number. They're all looking up at the, at the gate going, is he done? Is he okay in there? Can we go? I mean, I, what is happening here? And so they're looking up and he comes out and rather than being able to announce the blessing and they're all waiting for the blessing, uh, he starts doing his little charades thing. It's a very weird scene as Zechariah has participated here. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have uh, sent Uh, to speak, I've been sent to speak to you all this good news, gospel, this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. Oh, uh, Jehovah remembers. Zechariah, you forgot that Jehovah remembers. And he does. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why, why, why he stayed so long. And then let's look at verse 23. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Now, here's number three, the third thing I want us to be thinking about this Christmas season, and that's celebration. We celebrate. It's supposed to be a season of celebration. The stuff we hang up, the lights we put on, the stories that we tell. This is a celebration that God has kept his covenant. Now, there's going to be future reality where he returns. We know that's happening. But we're not focused just on the future thing that God might be doing and the timing of that. We are, as Zechariah and Elizabeth, we are being faithful with what he's already done. And that is the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's called us to participate in Christmas. He's called us to be uh, runners in this gospel marathon with him. He's called us to announce to the world the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And look what Elizabeth says as she celebrates. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months she remained in seclusion. So here she is, this older woman, and she thinks, oh man, I have had a reproach on my life all of my life. And so she stays for five months away from everyone. A withheld blessing is usually valued more than the one handed out early. 
A blessing that takes a long time to come to be is usually appreciated much more than the one that you get easily in life. And so, after five months, gray-haired Elizabeth makes an appearance before the people that she has felt contempted. She has felt a reproach her whole life. You know, in Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14, Sarah was picked on by her rival. And once Hagar had children, Hagar treated her bad and said, I've got children. You don't have children? You don't have the blessing of God in your life? I do. In 1 Samuel, remember Hannah? Hannah had no children, and she went to the temple, and she was praying and pouring out her heart before the Lord. And her rival had many children and picked on her mercilessly, so much so that Hannah wept, and the Bible says she could not eat because she was so broken inside. And here Elizabeth comes out after five months and has that feeling in her heart of vindication because the Lord has indeed kept his promise. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. My favorite phrase in that little, in that little sentence, in these days. Because this whole passage started out with saying, in the days of Herod, king of the Jews. And this passage ends with Elizabeth saying, in these days, just before the deliverance of the true king of the Jews. Guys, God keeps his promises, and that's something to celebrate. And you should celebrate it when you talk, and you should celebrate it when you do art, and you should celebrate it when you Facebook, and you should celebrate it every chance you get. You should celebrate it with the way you think should celebrate it with your setting your mind on the scriptures. You should celebrate it even though you live with adult children who don't celebrate it. You should celebrate it at every chance you get that we are anticipating God keeping his promises and we are participating in the reality that God has always kept his promises, never using disappointment as a reason for why we turn our back on God, but instead letting it press us into him and we are standing together celebrating this reality. God is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Let's stand together and I'm going to read for you Zechariah's song as we close in prayer. The neighbors were all filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and he has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant, David, 
as he said long ago, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And Father, would you help us go from this place with our eyes fixed on this reality. You are the covenant-keeping God. You promised long ago a Jesus would come, that there would be Emmanuel, God with us. And today we read about the first of you keeping that covenant, that you would send a forerunner who would call to Israel and call to all who would listen, repent, turn from your way of life, turn back to God. For he is sending one who is the Lamb, who will be slain for the forgiveness of sins. And all of us have hope in you because of him. Dismiss us from this place with your blessing, helping us see that readiness for Christmas is only partly about presence and tinsel and bows. But it is mostly about a peace that reigns in the heart of those who are convinced of the worthiness of God. Jehovah remembers. We serve the absolutely reliable one together who always keeps his promises. And together... We see politics and our lives in the light of your faithfulness. Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.